We have a huge problem in our culture, and honestly, I haven't seen anything like this since the 60s with the civil rights movement and the hippie generation and all the chaos that was happening in the 60s. It's been a long time, but as you are well aware, there is so much anger and hate, and we both are guilty. Both sides are guilty. We both have we have both made a lot of mistakes, and there's a lot of hostility. You could say it this way. There's enough sin to go around. And so this article, is, this podcast, is not so much about finger-pointing, but I hope that the Lord would use it, especially on our side, to help settle our hearts and give us a better perspective on what is going on with our culture war. It would be a mercy of God if He allowed it to... Uh, impact those, a few of those on the other side, though that is not my readership, but that is my hope. I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for the Your Daily Drive podcast. This is the podcast where we put our article content in audio format so that you can listen to it on the go. You're welcome to read what I'm going to share with you, and you're very welcome to share it with anyone. I hope that you'll have a discussion with it. The title of the podcast and the title of the article on the website is An Open Letter to My Culture, I Have an Identity Too. Perhaps you have heard of identity politics. Identity politics is where our identity, the color of our skin or our gender or whatever we want our gender to be, that is the number one thing. As Christians, we know that's not true. The number one thing is that we are made in the image of God. That is our primary identity. It's not about color, uh, race. It's not about male or female primarily. It's about being made in the image of God. But identity politics, uh, that's what uh, they promote, and that's that is the issue for them, and so everything hinges on the color of a person's skin or gender, etc. And so I titled this podcast, Open Letter to My Culture, I Have an Identity Too. And if you want to talk to me about this podcast, I would love to chat with you about it. We have one place and one place only where we discuss because of there's so many people that come to our ministry that it's not possible to uh, engage everybody on 20 different platforms. And we have about 20 different social media platforms, and we just can't, that's not realistic. And so what we have done is we've created a fun, funnel. At the top of the funnel are all of our social media platforms, but then it comes down to a point, and that point is our website, or what I call our sanctification center, the place where you can come and find true help. And so if your question is important to you, then it's important to me, and we will interact with you. We never, by the grace of God, turn anyone away, and by the grace of God, we never will turn anyone away. We will engage you, but only on our website. And if we can bring all of our questions and disagreements and discussion topics into this one point, you won't fall through the cracks. And so the responsibility is really on you. If you have access to the internet, which you do, if you're listening to this podcast, then I appeal to you to come and discuss whatever it is that's on your heart that you can discuss it with us. We are 
uh, a group of people who really want to engage you. We want to interact with you. So let us know how we can serve you. The web address, again, is rickthomas.net. This is a free discussion that you can have. We have a community forum. Uh, You will have to get your username and password, and then you can jump on our forum, and you'll be good to go. Make sure that you're logged in. It is a free community forum, but it's not free in reality. Somebody is underwriting it, and the way that we underwrite our ministry is that we ask people, we appeal to people, those who can, those who want to, to support this ministry financially. And you can do that for as little as $5 a month or anything above that. And so let me make that appeal to you. If you have benefited in any way, a lady just put on Facebook yesterday, I think, she said, I love your resources. I love your content. She's not a supporter of our ministry, and that's fine. I know that everybody can't. But if you can support us, perhaps you're going down the road right now and you're not at a place to where you can remember it. My friend Jeff told me this a couple of years ago. He said, I want to uh, give to your ministry, but every time that I, I think about it, I'm listening to a podcast in my truck. And by the time I get home, I forget about it. So if you're at a traffic light, If you uh, would text your spouse or text a friend and say, hey, remind me to give to this ministry, rickthomas.net, and text me later, somehow make a note of it. And then when you get to the place to where you can support us, will you do that? Now, some of you, perhaps this is the donation season as we get toward the end of the year, particularly in the States, people uh, tend to donate more. Uh, there, there are tax benefits for donations, and we are a nonprofit. We're a 501c3, and you are welcome to donate to us, and maybe you just want to give a one-time gift. But whatever you can do, we do need more underwriters uh, of this ministry, more people supporting it. And so $5 a month or anything above that or $50 a year, uh, that would be fantastic Uh, Do that, and it will help us to do more. We have so many requests. There are so many things that are being asked of us. And quite honestly, we just don't have the human resources to keep up with the demand. We do try, and we do work very hard, but we just don't have the resources to keep up. And so if you can, on a recurring basis, say, hey, I will do this. And it's one of the reasons that we made our support Uh, very low at $5 a month, which is about $4.50 after everybody gets their hands in it. And that's just the way that it works. So it's about $4.50 a month. It's not a lot for a lot of people. And that was our idea that many hands could make a work uh, happen. And there have been a number of people who have chosen to do that. And if you're not one of those people, uh, it's more than just what you get out of it. It's It's you making a way to where other people can benefit from this ministry because it will help us to broaden our reach uh, as we continue to wrap the globe on a daily basis. You can help us do that. And that's my appeal. If you would support us, I would be most grateful. The title of this podcast, again, Open Letter to My Culture, I Have an Identity Too. Now, perhaps you have heard this, the gay guy Uh, He will say that you cannot discriminate against him because he was born that way. 
And that is his identity. And he says to hate him or to hate on him because of how God made him that is wrong, according to him. And you should not punish him. You should not boycott. You should not deride him because of his identity. Now, this creates a a cultural puzzle. You could say that this cultural identity puzzle is complicated, and that's probably an understatement. Now, what I want to do in this podcast and the article on the website is I want to pull out some of the elements that make this cultural impasse so problematic, and I want to share with you, I want to share with you where I actually align with my great with my gay friends worldview. We are more in agreement than you may realize. And honestly, I hope that you will agree once you're done with this podcast. I hope that you will affirm that you too are more in agreement. Let's say that you are a Christian and that you are more in agreement than the with with the gay guy than what you probably have realized. Here's the first place, the first, first point, where I will agree with him. He says, you should not hate me. I agree. I should not hate him. Regardless of the gay person's life choices, and regardless what you think about the gay lifestyle, the gay person is an individual made in the image of God. In Genesis 1.27, it says, So God created man in his own image. It's pretty strong right there. But he says it redundantly. Listen to the verse again, 127. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him, male and female. He created them. Think about it. Triune God, whom we worship and adore, made the gay guy in his image. Now, no doubt this man is choosing a sinful lifestyle. The gay lifestyle is a sinful lifestyle, just like when I get angry at my wife or when I do any other sin, any other thing that the Bible speaks against as a transgression. And so there is no doubt that this man, the gay guy, is choosing a sinful lifestyle, but... His lifestyle does not remove his image-bearing identification with God. Just because you sin, it doesn't erase the fact that God made you in his image. And the gay guy is just like that. Let me illustrate my point this way. If your son, let's say you have a son, and your son was rebelling against your teaching you would be in a similar situation. You would have a child who is sinning, but he is still your child. He would always be your procreated child, even though he would be living a lifestyle that is counter to your beliefs and practices. Now, if I were to confront your son about his sinful lifestyle choices, I would do so, I hope I would do so, from a heart of pity, from a heart of patience, while being courageous enough to speak into his sinful lifestyle, pity and 
patience doesn't negate courage to speak into the sinful lifestyle. But why would I do this? Well, I would do this because I'm your friend. I would do this because I respect you. And though we both disagree with his lifestyle, we understand that God made him in his, the Lord's image. Here's the fundamental idea. I want to be courageous in speaking into the sinful chaos of our culture, but out of reverence, respect for God. You remember what James said, talking about our tongues in James 3, 9 through 10? He says, with it, with our tongues, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, our tongues, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. I want to be careful how I respond to the Lord's rebellious creation. This is where I'm saying that you are more in agreement with the gay guy than what you might be aware of. And so the gay guy is saying, don't hate me because this is who I am. I'm saying I will not hate you, not because of your sinful lifestyle, but because you are made in the image of God. I will not hate you. Here's another point where I agree with the gay guy. He says, I was born this way. Well, there's no disagreement the gay guy was born broken. The biblical record is clear. We all are born that way. Romans 5.12 says this, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all have sinned, there are no good people in the world. You know these verses. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The big 25-cent Bible word for this is total depravity. We are totally depraved. We are worthless people. Paul said that in Romans 3.10, 11 and 12. None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless no one does good, not even one. Whether it's Romans 5.12 or Romans 3.23 or Romans 3.10-12, it is biologically and psychologically impossible for fallen people to procreate non-fallen people. We are totally depraved. Total depravity means that we are broken through and through. There is not a microscopic piece of us that has, has not been affected by sin. Through and through, we are totally depraved. There is no disagreement. When the gay guy says, I was born this way, you're born broken. Well, I am too. I agree with you. Every person comes into the world broken, depraved, fallen, and corrupt. And in addition to total depravity, 
Each one of us is uniquely broken. Now, what I mean by uniquely broken, even though that you have two cups, uh, two glasses that are dirty through and through, each glass is different. What I like to say is that we are totally depraved, but we are uniquely broken. Those of you who have multiple children, you know that. You have two children, let's say, or three. Those children come into the world totally depraved, but you know they are uniquely broken because they sin differently. They are not identical in, in their temptations, in their weaknesses, in their strengths. Each individual is uniquely broken, though totally depraved. And so if the gay guy tells me that he has an inclination towards same-sex relationships, I do not argue that point. If he says he was born that way, I, I don't argue the point. I'm not attracted that way. I do not find same-sex relationships as a temptation. It's not appealing to me. I've never had that kind of attraction. But to think that I am better than him as though there are gradations of fallenness is biblically ludicrous, as well as self-righteous posturing that offends God. To acknowledge fallenness is biblical sanity. Do you want to be sane? Well, you acknowledge biblical fallenness. But to hate fallen image bearers is insane, as well as an attitude that puts you out of step with God and his word. No, there's no such thing as a gay gene Nobody has found that, and they never will find that. But when the gay guy says, I was born that way, I can check that box. It's not a debatable point. We were all born that way, to be honest with you, a way, a broken way I'm talking about. We all came into the world totally depraved but uniquely broken. So yes, okay. You say you've always had an attraction for same-sex people. Well, God came into the world. Jesus came into the world to transform us from the way that we are to the way that we should be, which is Christ-like. He will change my unique brokenness into Christ-likeness, and, and he will change your unique brokenness into Christ-likeness. Just because you were born that way, whatever way, you are uniquely broken. That's why we have a gospel. He came to change us from the way that we are to the way that we need to be. The title of this podcast is Open Letter to My Culture. I have an identity, identity too. And so I would say to those on the other side of the fence, you say, don't hate me. I will say, I will not hate you. And then for those of you who say you were born that way, I say, I will check that box. I understand, probably were. Not a point I'm going to argue we, you with because we were all broken. But I want to add one more thing. I want to tell you that I was born this way. You were born that way. I was born this way. 
You see the irony and the hypocritical twist to the culture's argument that we can't deride them because of how they were born and how they are. The irony and the hypocritical twist is their disdain of me for how I am. They want me to accept them for who they are while they reject and mock and even create laws to restrict me from being who I am. There's an interesting passage of Scripture in Jeremiah 1.5. It says, Before I formed you in the womb, God is saying, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. The Lord told Jeremiah that before he was born, he had in mind who Jeremiah was and what he wanted Jeremiah to do. Omniscient Lord has never been in a place where he was making things up as he went along. He knows everything past, present, and future. He has always known the beginning, the end, and every moment in between. Like every author who has written a book or a screenwriter who has written a movie, they know how things are going to happen before it happens. The book is complete. The movie is done. They know the beginning from the end and all points in between. You may be sitting in the theater. You may be in the middle of the book. You're on the edge of your seat because you have no idea what's going to happen next, but not so with God. He is omniscient. He does know the beginning from the end. He is the author of the story. He has written the script. He has written my script. He knew me like Jeremiah before I was born, that I would be his child. Being God's child, please listen to me at this point, cultural person, is my identity. I am a Christian. This reality is more than the clothes that I wear or the actions that I commit. It is who I am in John chapter 15, verse 5, it, Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. No, being a Christian is not the clothes that I wear or the building that I sit in on Sunday morning. Jesus went on to say in John 15, 5, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. There is an ontological reality to who I am. I am in Christ, and Christ is in me. It is my identity. My very ontological self is Christian. It's more in-depth than my actions. It's more in-depth than my attitudes. It's more comprehensive than biology. To say I am a Christian is different from getting a job that I can quit. You don't stop being a Christian any more than you can quit being a human. Being born a second time is fulfilling who I was always meant to be. Jeremiah was not the only person God knew before they were born, and what they were designed by him to be is crucial for you to know. You're not the only one claiming a unique identity. What I do may be a religion to you, but who I am is a Christian. Practicing religion is my practice. 
but being a Christian, that is my essence. I know it would be easier for you to hate me. I know it would be easier for you to tell me I'm, I'm wrong, and I know it would be easier for you to demand that I change. Your offensive posture toward me motivates you to make laws to reduce me to a pre-civil rights black person, a person with no rights. You want to make me a slave because you hate me. You hate who I am. And if I don't change who I am, you're going to make laws that are going to restrict and ban me. Do you hear what you're saying? This is what our forefathers did to black people many generations ago. They did not like them, and so they made laws to restrict them. They couldn't change their blackness. That's who they were. And I can't change my Christianity. That's who I am. You can't treat me like that. You shouldn't. It would be easier for me to hate you while creating laws that bind who you believe you were made to be. Yes, that would be easier for both of us. I could do the very same thing that you want to do to me. But that is not how we should try to resolve our mutual puzzle. We not only have competing worldviews, but we have competing identities. Now, honestly, I'm going to tell you that I don't have a satisfying answer to this problem. And neither do you. But I do know that hating me for who I am is not only hypocritical, but it's something that you despise, as you have reminded my tribe for many years. But if you continue to mock and ridicule, ridicule me for who I am, it won't be the first time in history. Jesus let people know about his identity, why he was born, who he was, and the purpose of his life. People hated him for it. Eventually, they killed him because they did not like his identity. The title of this podcast is Open Letter to My Culture. I have an identity, too. If you would like to read this podcast, I would love for you to read it. Go on our website, rickthomas.net. You can find it. If you would like to talk to me about this podcast, I would love to chat with you. I will try my best, by the grace of God, not to hate you, not to disdain you or to ridicule you, because you are a person made in the image of God. And so I agree with you. I shouldn't hate you. I appeal to you not to hate me. And let's come together in some kind of civil context to where we can work this out, where we can talk about this. I'll give you one place where you can do that, and that is our website, rickthomas.net. Again, it is a free service that we provide underwritten by our supporters of this ministry. And if you would like to talk about this or any other thing, please let me know. This is a crisis time in our culture, and I hope my desire is, is to be part of the solution, not a part of the problem. And so I won't mock, I won't hate, I won't disdain, I will talk to you civilly. You perhaps may believe that you can't change your identity. I can't change mine. But it doesn't mean that we don't have to get along. 
And so come to our ministry and let us serve you if we can. For those of you who are interested in more resources from our ministry, I do at this point have two books that are available to you that you can find on Amazon. The first one is called Change Me, the Ultimate Life Change Handbook. This book has been well-received. We've had wonderful uh, write-ups, reviews, I think is the technical name. We've had excellent reviews for this book, and you can read some of those reviews on the Amazon link. Just type in four words, Change Me and Rick Thomas, and you'll more than likely get that book, and you can purchase it, and they will deliver it to your door. But if you want to know about change, and if you really want to know the heart of what our ministry is about, then that book that book will serve you very well. It will not only answer a lot of questions, but it will help you in the process of being a better person, being transformed. I have another book on suffering. One of the biggest issues that I have encountered with Christians is this idea of a theology of suffering. We have a poor understanding and application of suffering and the irony there is that we can't escape suffering in this life. Therefore, it behooves all of us to understand suffering well, and that is the title of the book, Suffering Well. You can find it on Amazon, too, and I would encourage you to get it. Uh, give it as a gift to a friend. Change Me, the Ultimate Life Change Handbook, Suffering Well, How to Steward God's Most Feared Blessing. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.